Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris. It's March 20th, 2018. Uh, tonight, special episode, I wanted to bring on my boy, Christian Simpson from the Daily Blitz. What's going on, man? Hey, man, you know I had to be here for you. As soon as you asked me, could I come on, I didn't even have to think twice. It was a yes or yes decision on my part, man. Yeah, man. Um, crazy, crazy <laughs> off season that's going on right now in the NFL. So I want to do what we usually do, you know, run through all the teams, look at, you know, some of the picks and, and, um, you know, pickups that they've, they've made and, uh, you know, what you think they're looking at in the draft and, and that type of thing. Cause I know you got a lot of insight on all this. Definitely. Let's get into it, man. Yeah. Um, well, let's start off with the AFC East, you know, the always strong new England Patriots, they're always a factor. You got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, you know, the the unstoppable force. Uh, um, what have they done in the offseason? What are they looking to, uh, you know, pick up and that type of thing? Well, they've lost four key guys uh, who mm-hmm. were big factors of the championship teams. The last two uh, of the two of the last 
three or four Super Bowls, they've lost key guys. You know, you lose Malcolm Butler, the hero in Super Bowl 49, intercepting Russell Wilson at the half-yard line to give New England their fourth title. Uh, you lose Nate Solder, who was the anchor of that offensive line. You know, it's tough to replace a franchise offensive lineman, and he was definitely one of the best. And it's such a big loss because he protected Tom Brady's blind side. You know, that's the most important right. side to protect for a quarterback. You lose him. You lose Tom Lewis, which I think is one of the bigger losses, especially on offense, because you have a guy who was a jack-of-all-trades. You had a guy that could run the ball out the backfield. But we all know what those running backs are expected to do in New England. I don't even call them running backs. I call them passing backs because they're just as important in the passing game. That short check down passing game, just like the wide receivers are in the passing game. You know, they lose Deion Lewis, a guy who can run it, a guy who can catch it out the backfield, and a guy who's able to return punts and have an impact on special teams as well. But I think the one that may sting a little bit was Danny Anandola. And I'll be, I'll be real with you, Jay. When the Patriots first signed him, I kind of questioned it, and I said, why? The guy can't stay healthy. You know, he mm-hmm. can't stay on the field for a full season. He's coming in. He's replacing a fan favorite in Wes Welker. And, you know, the guy just stepped up, and the guy just played football. I really think, you know, New England really made him a better football player. And that's what the Patriots do. You know, they see you struggle elsewhere. You get there to Foxborough, Belichick gets his hands on you, and they're able to, you know, they're able to turn you into a superstar and a household name, man. He's earned the nickname Playoff Amendola, Playoff Danny or whatever it's called for a reason. I really don't think New England gets to the uh, gets to the Super Bowl without Danny Amendola putting the team on his back. There's no Edelman. There's no Grant. This was definitely the best that I saw him look this year. Yeah. Uh, well, two, you know, two things I want to follow up about the Patriots with that is, uh, one, what do you make of Malcolm Butler and, and the whole situation of him being benched for the Super Bowl? I mean, does this guy have, you know, off-field issues that they're trying to, uh, you know, conceal and they're not really being straightforward about? I mean, this could be something he takes forward. To, that, that's a huge, huge thing to just bench your, you know, guy who, who won a Super Bowl for you in the past. And, uh, you know, is there more to it than, than we're seeing there? You know, honestly, man, I don't know. I just thought it was weird. You know, he he's your best. He was your best cover corner for the last three years. I mean, the kid went undrafted, and I just love everything that Malcolm Butler brings to the table. I was appalled. And do we think he would have made a difference? Possibly in the Super Bowl? Yeah, by far. But we'll never know. I mean, he's no longer there anymore. And we kind of saw that was coming. You know, he wanted to get paid. New England doesn't really – Thrive, pride themselves on, on giving guys big-term contracts, especially after what happened a couple of years ago with Aaron Hernandez. Right. Uh, and then, you know, Danny Amendola, yeah, I mean, he stepped up. He played, you know, great football. But in the same token, like you said, Tom Brady makes wide receivers. I mean, he'll start off with a core of wide receivers you never heard of before, and suddenly, you know, they got top-of-the-line top stats, you know, because he knows how to spread that ball to people you never heard of and, and really make stars. So, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah, if that, he, that hangs him up. I mean, you know, I look at the Patriots' offense. I still think they could be a top-two or a top-three offense in the league. Now, obviously, with Tom Brady under center, but I, I look at what their offense has now. Brandon Cooks has a full year under his belt, and he really became more comfortable within the system as – the season went on, excuse me, in 2017, 
Gronk, I guess, reportedly is coming back because after the Super Bowl, we heard he was contemplating retirement. But the team's getting Julian Edelman back, J-Cat. You know, they went a full season without him, and they mm-hmm. were still able to win the AFC East. They were still able to clinch a first-round bye for, what, the seventh or the eighth year in a row. And, you know, they still had one of the more potent passing offenses in the NFL. And Brady was an MVP coming, the oldest MVP ever to win the award. I mean, you know, and he threw 32 touchdown passes without his go-to wide receiver. I really think people underestimate the importance of Julian Edelman. Look, we all know Gronk is the engine, is the motor that gets this offensive engine revving up, and he's a mismatch. You can do a lot with him, but I think Julian Edelman is 1B because he does a lot of little things to help the team. You know, he's what I call a chain mover. It could be second and long. He can get you the first down, or he can get you third and short. I mean, he's just a shifty guy in space, and Brady's going to be happy to have him back next year. <laughs> sure. Um, the Buffalo Bills, you know, they got a change uh-huh. of quarterback. They got uh, McCarron over there. Um, I guess they're in position to still draft something as far as quarterback. Uh, what do you see that the Bills have done? I mean, they got A.J. McCarron. You could tell something wasn't right with Tyrod Taylor. I knew this was going to be his last stint in Buffalo because, one, they simply haven't wanted to pay the guy, and, two, you know, you, you pull a guy who has you in the playoff one and ultimately got you to the playoffs in the AFC for the first time in, what, 18, 19 years for Nathan Peterman, and he throws five interceptions his first his first game in the National mm-hmm. Football League. You know, I'm curious to see how this is going to work now. You know, Tyrod Taylor isn't as bad as a lot of people are labeling him. You know, he he's a mobile guy. He can fling the ball down the field. But it also helps when you have a, a running back of the caliber of LaShawn McCoy in your backfield to kind of help take the pressure off of you. Right. Um, uh, didn't they move Tyrod though? Didn't he go to the, uh, yeah, they traded him. Yeah. They traded him to Cleveland. Right. So, uh, you know, what else are they doing in Buffalo other than McCarron? Um, do you think that, you know, they go to the draft and they draft a quarterback or, or, you know, what, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, I would draft one for sure. Even if you have to trade up, you know, I could definitely see it happening. And, you know, they picked twice in the NFL draft this year because they made that trade with Kansas City last year, mm-hmm. and that's how Kansas City was able to get Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll see what shakes out with them. Um, you know, McCarron, I, I think, might be a step up. It's tough because, you know, when these guys are playing a backup role, it's tough to really know, you know, when they're the guy, you know, how much they're going to be able to show up. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen people on Twitter say, oh, A.J. McCarron was great in college. Yeah, he was, but the college game and the NFL are two completely different styles. The guys are ten times bigger, faster, and stronger in the National Football League than they are in college. Yeah. Um, So then the Miami Dolphins, um, what's going on with them? You know, what kind of moves did they make? And, uh, you know, what do you think that they got going into the draft and everything? Because they've been a pretty down-and-out team. Well, that's obviously the biggest move was first, franchising Jarvis Landry and then trading him to Cleveland. Really, you couldn't really get a deal, a deal done with that guy, and the franchise tag is a joke. It's almost like, hey, you know, you sit here, we're going to sign you, we're going to lock you into a one-year deal, but you can't talk to other teams. Like, like, nah, it doesn't work that way. This is a business as well, and, you know, it's going to be weird seeing him not in a Miami Dolphins uniform because he really was the face of the Miami Dolphins uh, 
last year. You know, you add Robert Quinn, a guy that I thought was a top five defensive end, defensive tackle at one point, but he's kind of slowed down the last couple of years. You add him, you release the Dominican suit, you still have Cameron Wake, who's getting up there in age. He's getting older. So they could go in a variety of, uh, of ways with their draft pick uh, in this in this draft class, J-Cat, because they can go offensive line. They've struggled on the offensive line the last couple of years. Because we don't know about Ryan Tannehill and his knee, and he's been there for quite some time now, six or seven years, if I'm not mistaken. Or you can go yeah. pass rusher because Cameron Wake won't be there for much longer. And this draft has a wide variety of pass rushers from Bradley Chubb, who I think may be the second best player in this draft, behind Saquon Barkley of Penn State. There's Marcus Davenport, there's Harold Landry, there's Sam Hubbard. So there's quite a few. Mm, yeah, uh, and then you obviously have the New York Jets who traded up, and they're the, now the number three pick in the draft. Um, you know, quarterback. They've they've done some things there. Um, what did they get? Um, Bridgewater. Yeah, they got Bridgewater. They re-signed Josh McCown to another year. They added Tremaine Johnson from the Los Angeles Rams. Um, you know, they could go a variety of ways with their pick as well. They need a wide receiver. They need a true number one threat. Look, I'm not knocking Robbie Anderson. I thought he had a great breakout year last year. But is he the guy you can depend on week in and week out to really carry your team and be the the focal point of your offense? You know, it's still right. to be determined. You know, hopefully he's not a one-year wonder. I could see the Jets going to get Calvin Ridley with that third pick because I think a lot of teams are expecting the Colts to go after a wide receiver and teams who desperately need a wide receiver. I, part of me thinks the Jets traded up to try and land Calvin Ridley, but the Colts have been linked to Bradley Chubb. Every mock draft that you see, they they have them selecting Bradley Chubb, and he could still fall into their laps at six. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talking about anything but them trading up for a quarterback. So um, that would surprise me if they traded up for a wide receiver. Um, I don't know. You think Bridgewater is their their long-term answer and they're going to just be uh, comfortable with that? You know, it's tough to say because he, you know, he's coming off that knee injury. We haven't seen much of him the last year or two or so. So I really hope he developed because that year before he got hurt, um, he put the Minnesota Vikings on his back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man, that Vikings team really just uh, that baffles me because, I mean, they had three quarterbacks that were legit at one point or another, and through injuries they kind of, you know, went down the line, and then the, the season ended. You know, they got as far as they did. The season ended, and they parted ways with all three of them. So that's uh, unheard of, kind of. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Got the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, just another one of those teams that are just kind of a lock to be competitors. Roethlisberger, I don't know how many years he's got left on him, but he keeps showing up. Um, Yeah, I got, they got, you know, some, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, What else are they doing over there? I mean, are they setting up anything beyond Roethlisberger? You would think they have to at this point. Um, I know they just signed Morgan Burnett, the former Green Bay Packer, the Mm -hmm. defensive back, and they've needed help in the secondary for the longest. You know, uh, just a guy to lead 
you know, they haven't really had that since Palomalu, and mm-hmm. the Steelers have never really had a true shutdown cornerback, if you think about it. You know, yeah, I know they had Mel Blunt. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best ever to do it. But, you know, you could go linebacker. You could go definitely middle linebacker. That's definitely a hole for them because Ryan Shazier isn't playing in 2018. So you could bring a run stopper and just a guy that really solidifies your the middle of your defensive front. You could go that. You could go quarterback because, like you said, how much longer does Ben Roethlisberger have? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even every year you think he's done, he's fucking just flinging the ball down the field, picking up all sorts well, of I yards. Think, well, well, I think the thing he needs to do, he needs to change up how he plays. You know, you look at a lot of quarterbacks and how they've been able to be successful at advanced ages. I mean, look at Tom Brady at 40. And you know why Tom Brady's been able to play as long as he has been able to? Because he doesn't play like Ben Roethlisberger. He's not leaving the pocket, you know. Aaron Rodgers, look at that hit Aaron Rodgers took last year when he got hurt, when he broke his collarbone. You know, you won't see Tom Brady doing that because Tom doesn't leave the pocket. Drew Brees, you know, he's made adjustments to his game. Eli, when he decides to show up, you know, he's made adjustments to his game. Ben needs to make adjustments. He can't play with reckless abandon and then miss four or five games every year, you know. Look, as you get older, the wear and tear on your body starts to show. Um, The Baltimore Ravens, uh, they seem to hit – kind of a you know a dead zone they they haven't really had much of an identity since Ray Lewis has been gone and Flacco gets them so far but they haven't really been a dominant team by any stretch of the imagination um you know what have they done have they made any changes to become relevant again not really um I mean I know they added Michael Crabtree you're adding a veteran wide receiver you're adding a number a true guy a true receiver a guy who's been to the playoffs a guy who's played in the Super Bowl. He can make a big catch for you. And that's about it. I mean, Terrell Suggs is still there, but how much longer does he have? Ever since Ray left and retired, that became Terrell Suggs' defense. He's the emotional leader, and that team runs through him. I really think this is the year where both Harbaugh boys, you know, I'm going to make a little college reference here too, J.K. I think Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat and Ann Arbor as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, and I think John Harbaugh is on the hot seat for – the Baltimore Ravens, because ever since they won that Super Bowl, they've only been to the playoffs one time. They've only won one playoff game, and this was a team when John Harbaugh was there the first three or four years of his tenure. He and Joe Flacco not only made the playoffs, they won a playoff game. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think they're they're due for some kind of change because, uh, yeah, I haven't seen much of an upswing on their team since, like you said, they won the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they yeah. It's against my guys. So, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, um, I, I mean, obviously they got rid of their backup there. Um, you know, what are they doing over there? Uh, you could go running back, but you still have Giovanni Bernard. You still have Joe Mixon, you know, the kid that you drafted last year out of Oklahoma. You still have AJ Green when he's healthy. He's a top five or a top 10 wide receiver at best. You know, I've seen some mock drafts where they have Cincinnati drafting a quarterback. You know, and Andy Dalton's not bad. Andy Dalton just hasn't had good teams around him. You know, Marvin Lewis is still there. He's paying somebody under the table. I mean, I don't know how he's been there that long, and he's yet to win right. a playoff game. But I think their biggest draft need is offensive tackle. They need a they need a franchise guy. They haven't had one since Andrew Whitworth left. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, now, you know, one of the biggest uh, off-season moving teams out there, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, these, these yeah. guys have been making nonstop moves. They didn't win a game last year. And, man, they've done so much to that team and brought in so many players and have the best draft position you can get, you know, with the one and four. Um, yeah. What do you like about their moves? And uh, what do well, you think of the draft? Well, I mean, I think the the potential tandem of Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry could be a scary one because, you know, you have a possession guy and then you have another guy who kind of plays the position like a running back. And this is Jarvis Landry I'm talking about. He's physical. He's tough. You know, he initiates contact. He wants you to try and hit him and knock him off his route. And he can take it. He can handle it. I mean, he has good hands. He moves well with, uh, to get open. He moves well with a ball. It's in his hands, and Josh Gordon, he's a freak of nature. I mean, you know, I'm so glad he's back in the league. I just hope the kid has his head on straight because, you know, the potential for him is just so high, and it's thriving right now. And then, you know, Tyrod Taylor signing him, that's one thing. Defensively, um, you add Demarius Randall from the Green Bay Packers, the kid I was pretty high on coming out of Arizona State because he was a former corner and he could play safety, so he could kind of be that hybrid guy for your defense. And um, they also added Carlos Hyde as well. Yeah. So, you know, this team has stars. Now let's see if they could put it together. I thought Cleveland had a great draft last year. I thought they looked good in some of their games. They just couldn't finish them. They'll definitely win a game this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have, you know, their different mock drafts and everything else. They have the one pick and, you know, I really think it'd be in their best interest. I'm not a big college guy, but people are going crazy over Saquon Barkley. And I think it'd be the smartest decision for them to take him because I think if he goes, if he doesn't go one, they're not, he's not going to be around at four. Um, especially if the Giants still have the two, I don't think the Giants pass on him. And um, Carlos Hyde is really best as a one-two punch running back. You know, I, I've i seen him play, and um, he worked his he, – he's a right primary, but he, he gets hurt. I mean, he can't really handle that workload. So when he has that one-two punch, we had a couple other guys, Brita and a couple other guys in there that, that really lightened the load, and that's when he really started to shine. So I think if you get the top recruited draft pick running back out of the, the draft, He's going to have Hyde that lightens the load on him, helps ease him into the league, and really lets him shine. So I almost feel like they set the table for Barkley. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here and what they do. Yeah. I mean, you know, with the one and four, I mean, they could go with quarterback at four, but do you think that they're really that um... – you know, in love with the quarterback at one because I've seen so many mocks still going with them taking a, one of those quarterbacks at one. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened just because it is the Cleveland Browns and they're known yeah. to make that move that just kind of makes you scratch your head. But here's the thing. I wouldn't be against them taking a quarterback with the first pick, overall pick, in this year's draft because, you know, Tyrod Taylor isn't your long-term solution. You know, he's not he's a guy that can start a few games, he can he can help potentially groom the the future franchise quarterback, depending on who that may be, and then, you know, you let him sit behind, let him learn the game. You know, I think whoever they pick, even if it is a quarterback, 
they'd be learning from an offensive guru in Hugh Jackson because I saw what Hugh was able to do with A.J. McCarron when A.J. filled in for Andy Dalton a few years ago after Andy messed up his thumb. So, you know, I just think the the Browns right now are in a prime position to really potentially draft that franchise quarterback because the guys that are in this draft class, from Josh Allen to Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, even though I thought he came out a year too early, I don't think he's fully developed. Um, you're looking at guys like Allen, you're looking at guys like Rosen, those guys could really take on a franchise as soon as possible, depending on who drafts them. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I mean, they, they continue to draft quarterbacks, and I don't know, you know, when's the stopping point where you got to at least give a guy time to develop? I mean, is, is, I mean, was Kaiser just a complete bust off of a one year trial, or, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he wasn't bad. You know, I know he wasn't necessarily the greatest, but mm-hmm. he wasn't bad at all. Just think about it. A majority of the year, he didn't have a top target to really throw to until Josh Gordon came. And then when Josh Gordon came and you saw a much better effort in, in Deshaun yeah. Kaiser, but they just, you know, they just couldn't win the game, but he couldn't do it all either. Yeah. Over at the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, defensive powerhouse. I mean, what they were able to accomplish, you know, it seemed like they accomplished what they did despite Blake Bortles through a lot of the season and, um, you know, even into the playoffs. And it seemed like that was a weak spot. They went out and they re-signed him for, you know, a big contract, which really shocked me because I figured that would be a hole that they fill. They get a good franchise quarterback and then become a real, real strong team. They put faith in that guy. Uh, do you think that's the right move? And what do you think about the Jaguars going forward? I do. Th- I do think it's the right move because look, this guy had you a game away from the Super Bowl. And look, he may have not been the best quarterback on the field, but one thing that stands out to me about Blake Bortles is this: when they played Pittsburgh in that playoff game in January, whenever his team needed him to make a big pass, whenever he was dependent on to make a big play down the field, he did it. You know, and this is a guy that had more rushing yards than passing yards in the playoff game against Buffalo. But, you know, he played well in Pittsburgh. He played just as good in New England. You know, he couldn't play on defense and and things like that. You know, his defense just didn't make a play. And, yeah, the offense was at fault as well. So, you know, he played great in that AFC title game against New England. And he's not a bad quarterback. He actually had the best year of his career. I mean, the numbers aren't eye-popping and jaw-dropping, right. but there, mm-hmm. you know, they were there. I think he threw about 21 or 22 touchdown passes, about 12 or 13 interceptions, but the guy made plays when he had to. They don't win a division without him, and plus it also helps when you have a running back with the impact of Leonard Fournette because teams loaded up that box in the playoffs to stop him, and that's why Bortles was able to make the throws he was able to make and complete down the field. Yeah. Um, the Tennessee Titans, uh, they were kind of up and down, you know, they, they finished just over 500. Um, what are they doing? What do, what do you see going forward with them? Well, you know, they signed Malcolm Butler. They signed Deion Lewis. They hired Mike Vrabel to be their head coach. And I'm really happy that he's finally gotten his shot. You know, Marcus Mariota, how's he going to improve this year? I mean, he has to take that next step as, as mm-hmm. a quarterback moving forward because he was too up and down for me last year. Yeah, he had a great game in the playoffs, 
And then, you know, he just struggled again against New England, which most young quarterbacks do around this yeah. time of the around that time of the year in January. But, you know, they released DeMarco Murray. So Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, that could be a pro- prolific one two punch for the Tennessee Titans. I think the defense could get back in shape. Mike Vrabel is a defensive minded guy. And this is a guy that's bringing championship pedigree now to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, he won three Super Bowls with the New England Patriots, and he spent enough time coaching ever since he retired. I'm really happy for Mike. Um, You know, in the draft, I could see them getting another corner, possibly maybe a safety, a linebacker. That that Those are the angles that they could go in the draft. Yeah. Uh, the Colts, obviously, traded down with the Jets. Um, is Andrew Luck going to be back to, you know, the uh, quarterback we've seen out of him in the past? Because it seemed like once Luck was out of the picture last year, they were just going to be a bottom-of-the-barrel team. Um, I mean, is that is that really the, the formula to their team? Is there more to it? Um, you know, what, what are you seeing with the Colts? I hope he's ready to go. I mean, I think the league is more fun when he's playing, and that's saying a lot because you have three locks for the Hall of Fame playing the position in Drew Brees. Pay, uh, not, not Peyton Manning. He's retired already. <laughs> Drew mm-hmm. Brees. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you know, but Andrew Luck just brings a toughness to the position. I mean, have you ever seen a guy compliment a guy that hits him? Oh, you haven't. You know, it's so uncommon and it's so unheard of. And it's just been tough to see him injured because you look at who he, you look at whose shoes he's filling after, um, after he was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts made the decision to part ways with Peyton Manning. You draft Andrew Luck, you get to the playoffs, he has you around away from the Super Bowl. But my thing with the Colts is this, they haven't put enough around Andrew Luck to make the Colts a better team. I mean, Frank Gore I thought was a really good running back, yeah. And that's an angle the Colts can go. You know, I doubt it now. If they were still at the three on the draft board, J. Cat, I could I could have seen them going after a guy like a Saquon Barkley because he just released Frank Gore. I think Saquon Barkley would be great in that offense. You know, I could see them going after a wide receiver like a Calvin Ridley because it just can't be T.Y. Hilton, but they need a possession guy. They need a guy that can go up and get the football. These small guys just aren't going to cut it anymore. Or you can go defense, which I think could still happen, and I think Bradley Chubb could still fall into the hands of the Indianapolis Colts with the sixth pick. Hmm. You said they released Frank Gore? Yeah, I think they did. Wow, yeah, I didn't even hear about that. Did he end up anywhere? No, I don't. You know what? Let me check while I have you on the phone. Cause sure. I'm, I'm almost certain. Yeah, he's a free agent. Wow. I need mean, to bring that guy I'm back. I'm not shocked. Look, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing San Francisco go back and get him, but he's at an age where he's actually surpassed a lot of running backs. He's 34 years old. Now, when running backs start to break down by 28, 29, and then they're out the sure. league by the early 30s, but he's still going. Look at those numbers, though. Yeah, exactly. He's a lead pipe lock for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he, he's one of those guys that got to come back, sign, and retire as a Niner. So, shit, man, if we can come, you know, bring him back, get another two years out of him or something, shit, I'll take him. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to be primary back, but he could definitely pound some yards out. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. He could be a third and short guy, guy you can use in a red zone and goal line situations. Oh, yeah. Um, Houston, 
this was a team that was really a lock to go very far with the way that Watson was playing. This guy was a lock for rookie of the year. I mean, it had so much upside on this team, and Watson gets hurt just crushing to the team. It took them completely out of contention. Um, do you think they get right back where they, they left off with Watson and uh, where do they go forward, you know, picks and you know, I think that. You know, I think they – I think they can. First, let's talk about the Tyran Matthews situ- uh, signing. I thought that was okay. a great move for them. The add versatility. You know, he's a hybrid guy, plays the run, can defend the pass, can drop back in the coverage, can sit on routes, and he plays a lot bigger than he appears. J.K. He's only five foot nine, and I mean, he plays. Let's see if he's six foot one or six foot two. So, what he lacks for in size and, and height, he, he plays with in heart and tenacity and strength and courage. Um, you know, can J.J. Watt be healthy? And I think if I'm the Texans now, the best thing you could do for J.J. Watt is make him a, a situational pass rusher. I think he's reached that point now. I don't know if his body ha- can last to be an every-down defender like he was. You know, I don't think we're going to see the guy that won three out of four defensive MVPs. You know, but if Deshaun Watson can pick up where he left off, um, I, I think Houston is a lot to make the playoffs to win the division. I already think they have a top five wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, going on to the AFC West, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, again, you know, started out red hot, had really the world in their hands as far as, you know, I mean, they beat the Eagles, they beat the uh, the Patriots. They really, you know, came out, they beat the, the two Super Bowl contenders, you know, and, and the Super Bowl champions. Um, and then, you know, the bottom kind of fell out of them. You said you thought it was uh, Eric Berry, right? No, it was more so, think about it. When Kansas City was winning those football games, what were they doing offensively? Let's see if you remember, because we talked about this. Yeah, I mean – uh, they were running the ball. Bingo. They were they were establishing Kareem Hunt. They were getting him the ball, and they just stopped getting him the ball. You know, they put the game in the hands of Alex Smith. You can credit the defense, but, you know, get what was winning you. Go back to what was winning you football games. I mean, Kareem Hunt at one point was a lead pipe lock to win offensive rookie of the year, and then they just stopped giving him the ball, you know. They stopped giving it yeah. to him. In in, ten, uh, in the playoff game against Tennessee, yeah, he got some touches down the stretch, and they were able to kind of win out and win the division. But, nah, they got away from getting him the football. Yeah, I mean, they were an offensive powerhouse running the ball and everything else. But, I mean, they, they really did have the defense to stop, you know, other teams, and that just completely disappeared. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, do, do you think that going forward, you know, what what's their outlook? Well, they traded up to get Pat Mahomes for a reason. Uh, and, you know, they traded Alex Smith to Washington. Um, Marcus Peters is now gone. So a lot of interesting things going on right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm just kind of curious to see how all this is going to now pan out. You know, Kareem Hunt's coming in a year two. You have Tyreek Hill. You just signed Sammy Watkins. Eric Murray's going to be back, but he's a little bit older now. So, no, no, he's not older, I won't say, but can he be the same player after tearing his Achilles? You know, how do they replace Marcus Peters? He's a ball-hawking corner, and you decide to get rid of him. So, it, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, right now surrounding the Kansas City Chiefs. And the way I look at it, this division as a whole is wide open. I think either one of those four teams could win it. Yeah. Um, Chargers. 
uh, the Chargers are another just up and down, up and down team. Uh, I don't know if Philip Rivers ever gets it done. Um, you know, he's able to put up like huge games, but just really can't get it done. No, he can't. Look, he's still a serviceable quarterback, and you know the Chargers were in the hunt in the hunt for the AFC playoffs. I almost thought they were about to make the AFC playoffs, but you know other teams lost. They lost tiebreakers. You know they didn't show up when they were supposed to. And I thought the biggest takeaway from them last year was Keenan Allen finally staying healthy and having the season that he did. Um, you know, you still have Antonio Gates. Who knows when that guy is going to retire? Melvin Gordon is good. Your defense is good because you have the best tandem of pass rushers in the league in Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. You have a pretty good secondary. You got a good linebacking core. You know, the Chargers, the Chargers aren't bad. Anthony Lynn had them playing with a lot of confidence moving forward, especially after starting 0-4. Usually when teams start 0-4, they throw the towel in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, the, the Oakland Raiders were, like, the team. I mean, they, they were about to head into the playoffs unstoppable. Car went out, and then the bottom just fell out. That was the glue to their team. They came back last mm-hmm. year and weren't nearly the team as they were the year prior. Can they get back on track to be that team again? They can, and it's going to start with establishing the running game. You look at that year that you just talked about before Carr got hurt, they had a balanced offensive attack. They were able to run the ball. That was a, uh, The offensive line was able to protect Derek Carr. He was able to be mobile, move the pocket, make throws on the run, hit his receivers in the stride down the field. Now he has two really good receivers. He still has Amari Cooper. Now he has Jordy Nelson. He has Jared Cook. That prolific big red zone tight end, that target, running the seams and running the middle of the field. It's kind of spacing things out. But establish Marshawn Lynch. What was the purpose of bringing him out of retirement? You're not going to get him the football. Plain and simple. You know, they were able to run the ball that year in 2016 when they went into the playoffs with, I think, a 12-4 a, a and four record before Derek Carr went down. But I think the biggest question mark is going to be their defense. You know, outside of Khalil Mack, this defense can't stop anybody. They, you know, they can't stop the run. Outside of Mack, they can't rush the passer. Um, mm-hmm. Their secondary is terrible. So there's a lot for them to work on. Yeah. Um, so then, obviously, you have the Denver Broncos, last team. And, um, I mean, they, they picked up a new quarterback. Um, who'd they get? Uh, mm-hmm. Case Keenum. Uh, Keen- Keenum, right? Yeah. Uh, Keenum, you know, he, he really played his ass off into the playoffs, you know, until he hit the Eagles. But um, yeah, what, what do you think about the Denver Broncos? You know, I first – when I first heard that Kirk Cousins was going to be on the market, I thought this was a perfect fit for him because, you know, they have the wide receivers. Running game is still there. Offensive line is still there. Uh, even without a key to lead, this is still one of the best defenses in the National Football League. You know, so everything was there. And I really felt if Kirk Cousins went to the Denver Broncos, I really think this is probably the biggest threat in the AFC behind the New England Patriots. I would just – I would have inserted them into the two spot. You know, it would have been New England, Denver, Jacksonville, maybe Pittsburgh and Houston, those five right there. But, you know, they get Case Keenum, who had a great year last year, best I've ever seen him look. And 
he's not a bad quarterback, J-Cat. You know, I mean, he's the reason why the Vikings were on top of the NFC North. They got that two seed. You remember that play against the mm-hmm. Saints. You know, he made a no, throw, yeah. a perfect throw, and Stephon Diggs was just able to keep himself in bounds. And then, you know, obviously, like you said, they ran into the Philadelphia Eagles. And I just think he had a great year because teams really didn't put enough pressure on him. He had all day to throw from the pocket, if you think about it. And he he's a smaller guy. He's only six feet or six one, but he has tremendous footwork. And I think even if he were shorter, I think he would still be a pretty good quarterback. But, you know, I don't think this is enough to make Denver a serious contender. I don't think people are still going to take them seriously. Right. Um, over to the NFC. Uh, NFC's champions, uh, Super Bowl champions, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, Can you believe Super it? Bowl. Yeah, no, not at all. I still don't, I don't <laughs> like saying it, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they won with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, this, this guy came out. He really proves himself. He showed up big time, you know, when he needed to. Um, obviously, you know, with Carson Wentz rehabbing, he's going to be their starting quarterback at some point or another. Um, they made a bunch of moves off season too. Like, they haven't stopped making moves. Um what do you think about this team going forward, the, the additions they've made, and at what point does um, do they make a move with um, with Foles? First off, I keep uh, – with Carson Wentz? Well, Wentz is going to be their starter at some point. Do you think that he starts out the season? No. I actually read somewhere that his knee injury was a lot worse than – what it was reported. You know, I know he tore his ACL, but I heard this injury could keep him out for a full year, and he tore it in December. You keep Nick Foles. Plain and simple, you need a backup quarterback. He knows the system. Here, let, let's go down memory lane. You know, in, what, 2012, 2013, when Chip Kelly takes the Eagles job, Doug Peterson is their offensive coordinator. They draft Nick Foles. They get to the playoffs with Nick Foles. You know, he's there for a few more years. Doug goes to Kansas City to be Andy Reid's offensive coordinator. The team signs Nick Foles. Doug Peterson goes back to Philly as the head coach this time. The team decides to bring back Nick Foles. And, you know, he put this team on his back. So it's all about who you know as a system. You're not just going to go out there and get any quarterback to plug in there. You know, it's all about systematic fits, and I've explained this to people. This is why Kaepernick didn't get the job in Miami over Jay Cutler, because Jay Cutler played with Adam Gase. It's all about fits, and Jay Cutler knows the system that Adam Gase runs, plain and simple. But, you know, if I'm silly, if Nick Foles were to be gone, he would have been gone by now, especially after that Super Bowl. And the way he played and – you know, winning Super Bowl MVP, and I wouldn't say he necessarily outdueled Tom Brady, but he just he made a couple of more throws than Brady did in that game. But I really think his value was hot and really ticking after the Super Bowl. Now I think it's gone. If he were going to be traded, the move would have been made by now. Well, I think they do need him going into the season because Wentz isn't going to be ready to start. But, you know, right. does he move before the trade deadline? You know, I mean, that's something that, you know, if if they get back once and once is playing like he's supposed to, again, like you said, the value is high. They could potentially trade for something that keeps them a contender. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting story going into training camp for the defending champs, but I would keep Nick Foles. You need a backup quarterback, and, you know, that team is so family-oriented, and a lot of guys are taking hometown discounts just to stay a part of a championship culture. Hmm. What is he a free agent after this uh, coming season? You know, I don't know. I could definitely look up that information for you, but whoever, yeah. if he is, a lot of teams will be uh, definitely in the running for his services. Yeah. At some point, he's going to get paid like a starter, is, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so then you got the Dallas Cowboys. Um, obviously, the bottom fell out of the Cowboys. And, um, you know, the the type of organization that is, they don't like staying on the bottom for too long. Um, you know, what kind of moves do you see them making over there in uh, Jerry Land? Uh, I could definitely see them drafting a tight end. Jason Witten's getting older, you know, groom him. I could see them going after a defensive tackle, a corner, a safety. They need a lot of help in that secondary. It's just they just haven't really been able to cut it. They don't have – a true shutdown guy. You know, they drafted Morris Claiborne. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, they drafted Morris Claiborne thinking he was going to be a star. He hasn't really panned out too much. So uh, there's definitely a lot that the Cowboys could do, but definitely getting a tight end or some secondary help will we'll fix their issues. Yeah. Uh, Washington Redskins, now without Kirk Cousins. Um you know, what what is the new the new look Washington Redskins gonna be like? They're still an average team at best. And here's the thing, I like Alex Smith. I think he's a good quarterback and you can't put that loss on Alex Smith in the playoffs uh, against Tennessee. You know, he kept them in that game. It was everybody else around him <clears throat> that struggled to really make anything happen. You've seen a lot of Alex Smith. I've seen a lot of Alex Smith. He just always seems to fall short on the wrong side of things, you know, gets benched in San Francisco when cap starts to go off and they get to the Super Bowl, he gets traded. You know, I think the Chiefs only missed the playoffs one time without Alex, mm-hmm. with Alex Smith. So, you know, it's, I'm curious to see what's, how this is going to work. And, you know, they really don't have a true number one receiver. I mean, Jamison Crowd is more of a two or a three. You know, Chris Thompson can't be the only guy catching the ball out the backfield. Let's see what they get out of Josh Doxson. You drafted this kid out of TCU a a few years ago. I've always referred to him as a bigger Odell Beckham because he kind of plays like him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of Odell Beckham, you got the New York Giants who, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty much every wide receiver that plays for them got injured last year. You know, they did turmoil with – you know, Eli getting benched, breaking his streak of starts. Um, yeah, every everything that went on there, coach gets fired. Everything else, um, what number two pick in the draft? What are the Giants looking at? You know, as far as the recovery from last season with their three wins. Um, a running back for sure. Jonathan Stewart isn't you know your savior or your guy that you can count on for the next five or six years. He's older. You know, he's going to start to become that number two back, you know, that complimentary piece coming on third and short. You can go Saquon Barkley. You know, you could draft your quarterback because, you know, how much longer Eli Manning has. You know, you could go and get your backup and start to groom him and let him sit behind Eli. Or you can go offensive line as well. But then again, they just signed 
and another offensive lineman. So they're either going running back or quarterback. I think that's the only two options right now at this point. So, you know, I'm, well, question one, I mean, if Barkley's there, you think they they definitely take him, right? Yeah, you would have to. I mean, look, I'll put it to you like this. You saw, remember how Ezekiel Elliott had that big of an impact on mm-hmm. the Cowboys his first year? Remember how Leonard Fournette had such a big impact on the Jaguars in 2017? That could be Saquon yeah. Barkley wherever he goes next uh, this season in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would just give that to Elliott either because you look at what DeMarco Murray was doing with the Cowboys you know, previous to Elliott. So I, I think that offensive line just kind of paved the way for them to be you know, superstar running backs right off the jump as long as they had the skill set, and obviously he does. But um, – so I don't know, you know, as far as him, but um, beyond that, you don't think there's a chance that the Giants trade down because there's been talk of that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I always say when the NFL draft rolls around, you really have to expect the unexpected. Yeah. So then um, NFC North, you got the Minnesota Vikings, uh, new look, you know, new quarterback, <laughs> you know, three quarterbacks out and one in. And uh, I think they got a backup too. But uh, it, what, what do you think about the Minnesota Vikings? Obviously, it wasn't the quarterback that you know had them fall short last year. But um, you know, obviously, going to be a different look. You know, this is a good situation that Kirk Cousins comes into because this is a team that finished runner-up in the NFC. This is a team that's coming off a 13-win year. Probably their best, I think, since the year when Favre had them around around the way from the Super Bowl in '09. You know, you're looking at uh, um, you're looking at Kirk Cousins coming in with a good running back and Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. Now there's no Jarek McKinnon. Um, yeah. You're looking at you know uh, Adam Thielen, who I thought had a great year. I love that kid and I love the way he plays the game. You have Stephon Diggs, you have Kyle Rudolph, you have so many great pieces on the offensive side. And their defense, I still think, is just as good. I really think the Minnesota Vikings are still the favorites to win the NFC North because they run the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be a dangerous team. That defense was really strong at one point, too, so we'll see if they can get back. Yeah. Um, the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, Stafford, I mean, he's had his, his time where he looked really, really strong. Yeah, another really up-and-down team. Um, what do you think about the Lions? What have they done? Well, they just signed LeGarrette Blunt. This is a guy that brings championship pedigree to the team, and they've needed a running back for the longest. They've gone through a plethora of them, and none of them have worked. Now you're bringing in LeGarrette Blunt, like I said, a guy that's won three of the last four Super Bowls, the two with the Patriots, the one with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's going to bring balance. So, you know, I'd always say quarterbacks are at their best when they're not throwing the football over 45 or 50 times. Yeah. Um, you got the uh, where are we? Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. back. Um, now, Jimmy Graham's an, an interesting thing to me because I tend to think on some sides of things he's a little bit overrated. Uh, I think okay. Jimmy Graham got his reputation and, you know, his star power, I think he got from catching passes from Drew Brees. You know, he wasn't the guy when it came to the Seattle Seahawks, obviously some injuries and stuff, but um, I think his his 
shine is going to return now because now he's got Aaron Rodgers firing the ball at him. Nothing wrong with, um, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, but Russell kind of creates he creates like a second second routes. You know, those receivers got to keep working because he gets himself free. He keeps working back there, and and those guys got to keep working and working and working and get themselves open. I don't know if that's Graham's forte, so um, I, I think this is a great situation for him to be what he can be. Um, what's your thoughts? Well, Seattle didn't use him the right way. If you think about it, you know, Jimmy Graham needs to be let free. I mean, he's six seven, he's two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a power forward on he or a forward a basketball forward on the football field. I mean, you can't put a mm-hmm. corner on him. They're too small. You can't put a safety on him. They're too slow. You can't put a linebacker on him because they're unable to keep up with him. And I think he comes into a good situation. Listen to the quarterbacks he's played with. He's played with Drew Brees. You know, where I thought he was, I think, the at one time, I thought he was the best tight end in football. Um, right. He goes to I Seattle. Mean. He catches passes from Russell Wilson. And now he's going to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. All three of those guys have won Super Bowls. You know, that's mm-hmm. incredible to start a career. But, you know, I want to see how he's used this year. And it always seems as if Aaron Rodgers does better when he has that big tight end running yeah. running routes for him. I mean, he, you know, he, he uh, did great with Jared Michael Finley. He did great with Jared Cook, and now he has Jimmy Graham. <clears throat> and, and, you know, what I say is not to take anything really away from his ability, but I feel like he needs to be within the right offense, and, and Seattle wasn't the right offense for him. Um, I think, you know, when you get that superstar quarterback like a Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers, I think that's that's going to be where he shines. Right. Um, the Chicago Bears. Uh, what are they doing? I mean, <laughs> this this team just seems to have a hard time treading water. Um, you know, what's what's their hopeful uh, future like? Um. Well, they finally added pieces around Mitchell Trubisky. Now, you know, you go and get Allen Robinson, and he's coming off an ACL injury which I'm kind of questioning because, you know, Kevin White couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, Cam Meredith got hurt. Allen Robinson comes off a torn ACL. So how healthy is he going to be? They got Trey Burton from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they still have Jordan Howard. They still got Tariq Cohen. Their defense can get better. That's the angle I think. That's the direction I think they're going to go in for this NFL draft. Um, yeah. they need a defender. They haven't really had a star defender since the Brian Urlacher days, and now look at him. He's going into the Hall of Fame, J-Cat. Um, yeah. So I look at the NFC as a whole. The whole division, I just think, got a little bit more intriguing because all four teams made moves. You know, the Bears got their wide receiver and their tight end that they have been linked to for months. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is back, and Green Bay gets Jimmy Graham. This is the biggest weapon that I think Aaron Rodgers will ever have on offense. We wouldn't know who Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams are if it were for Aaron Rodgers. The quarterback truly does make your receivers. You know, the Lions getting LeGarrette Blunt, which I thought was a, a pretty good move, and then the Vikings, of course, signing Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty big. The NFC South, you know, came up the strongest division in the NFC last last season, you know, with three teams making the playoffs. Um, the New Orleans Saints up top, Drew Brees, 
Um, what are they looking to do? You know, what's their uh, what's their big off season moves that's going to stand them out? You know, uh, I could see them going the quarterback route. Drew Brees probably has about two or three more seasons tops. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played well into his 40s. I think that's going to be the thing now for most of these quarterbacks because Tom Brady is playing into his 40s and say he can do it, and he wants to play well into his 40s. But, you know, yeah, have your running backs. I think the best tandem of running backs in the National Football League Um you know, you have pretty good wide receivers. You could go tight end at this position, something they've lacked for quite some time. You know, I thought it would have been great if the Saints got Eric Ebron, but he's now in Indianapolis. Um, you can go maybe defensive line for sure. You want to keep that defense in check. You know, you can you can add a linebacker, uh, maybe another safety here and there, but quarterback or um, defensive lineman, I think, is their top priority. Yeah, uh, the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, Cam Newton. You know, can be uh, definitely a, a game breaker. He's kind of lacked in targets. Um, do you think they go wide receiver? Do you think they find a way to uh, you know get him to someone to throw to? They need a wide receiver. Look, no disrespect to him, but Devin Funches isn't a number one guy. Olsen's getting there, up there in age, and, you know, that foot injury seemed to be a lingering issue throughout most of the year because when he came back, I think he went right back on IR with the same injury. You know, I know they traded for Torrey Smith, but he drops a lot of wide-open passes here and there. But he brings some championship pedigree. He's won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I think I would go uh, get a wide receiver at this point. And I've seen a lot of mocks have them taking Cortland Sutton from SMU. He's a possession guy. You know, why not fill the void that Kelvin Benjamin left? He's a big kid, 6'4", 6'5", that can stretch the field, and he's a red zone threat. Yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons um, obviously have not been the, the offensive powerhouse since uh, Shanahan went over to take his head coaching job with the Niners. Um, do you think that they're able to, you know, regain that that power that they had offensively without him? And, um, you know, where do they go forward from here? I think so, because now you have a full year under Steve Sarkeesian offensive game plan and the way he calls games with his schemes and such. You know, it, it takes it takes time to really develop. And now they have a full year under his belt now. It's time to work for them. Um as far as I know, they lost Adrian Claiborne, which is kind of big because he was one of their better defensive players. But that's still uh, Vic Beasley. He's their best defensive player. I've seen them draft offensive line um, in mocks. Uh, I've seen them go. I've seen them go defense. So they're gonna go one of those two in one of those two directions. Yeah, and then the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, is Jameis Winston the answer for this team? Um, you know, he he showed signs of potential, but in the same token, he's, you know, let's go out there and eat a win and all this nonsense, and uh, he's, he's fell flat. Um, what do you think about the Tampa Bay Bucks, and what are they, you know, looking to do? Yeah, I'll take him seriously when he's not eating W's, because that was just kind of creepy. You know, going to be <laughs> yeah. real. Um, you know, they can go, they can go running back. Oh. Uh, 
Excuse me. They can go. They can go offensive line, which would be huge for them because Jameis was running for his life a majority of the time last year. But what they really need is a pass rusher. They need a guy who can, you know, line up in that three or four point stance and just put pressure on the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Um. Over to the NFC West. Last but not least, uh, you saved the, the best Rams. for last, right? Yeah, man. Uh, the Rams, you know, they were they were the super priority NFC West. I don't know if that remains this year. I'm biased, but um, you know, with Todd Gurley, <laughs> one of the best running backs in the league, uh, I think he continues to make an impact. And uh, you know, they're they're a strong team for sure. Um, what are the Rams doing? What do you what do you see different going into this year? Well, they don't have any linebackers now. You trade Alec Ogletree, you know, you trade Robert Quinn who were two of your, your main linebackers. So how do you fill that position? Yeah, the secondary is absolutely loaded with Salid, with Marcus Peters, um, Sam Shields. Yeah, Tremaine Johnson left, but and you have Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the NFL. But, you know, you got to be able to stop the run. You just can't put a ton of pressure on the secondary to make each and every play. But the way I look at it, man, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, Sean McVay is coming in the year two. Um, Jared Goff, year two under the McVay scheme. He thrived last year. It just took the right coach to really get his hands on, um, really get his hands on Jared Goff. And look at what happened. I mean, the Rams are going to be there. Yeah. Um. The Seattle Seahawks, not the Seahawks of old, obviously. Um, just about all the pieces of that old Super Bowl team is gone. And um, obviously no Legion of Boom. They haven't been the um, defensive team that they were in the past to begin with. Russell Wilson's back there running for his life. And, you know, that that, that guy, I mean, he is one of the best at extending plays um, as much as I hate the Seahawks. That guy knows how to, you know, make something out of nothing better than anybody. Um what are the Seahawks looking at? Do they have any kind of upswing after parting ways with so, so much? They need an offensive lineman, like plain and simple. You thought Dwayne Brown would have been the guy to to come in and really solidify that offensive line, and it just didn't work out because Russell was still running for his life here and there. Uh, you could go, You could go safety because you don't know – What's going to happen with Cam Chancellor? Or you can go corner to replace Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are one of the teams that have been, um, you know, slated to possibly trade up, you know, looking at that giant spot and, and that for quarterback. Um, what do you see at the Cardinals doing? Because uh, the Cardinals had their, you know, they looked like they were kind of the next up to take on the NFC West and, you know, some things shuffled around and they didn't look as strong when last year ended. I mean, it ended five. Well, well, they have a new head coach this year. Bruce Arians retired. You know, now they'll be playing for Steve Wilkes. He was the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Fitz is still there and he's truly a living legend because, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. The guy just produces. The guy is just a football player at the end of the day. Um, you know, you have Sam Bradford now. They sign him, but Arizona needs to go get their quarterback. You know, they need a guy that they could depend on for the next five to ten years, and they haven't had that. 
Right. And last but not least, uh, my guys, I'm just reading down, you know, the list is oh, written course. on the, uh, the standing, but I, it just <laughs> happens where my guys are last. Um, the San Francisco 49ers ended last season as the hottest team in football, uh, winning five mm-hmm. straight. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy that everyone wanted. Uh, he finally got himself away from uh, New England and, you know, wound up with an enormous contract. <sighs> Uh, a lot of teams were shitting on a lot, a lot of a lot of people were shitting on the deal that he got saying, you know, what are they nuts? And this guy's unproven and this and that. Um, I, I saw some film of this guy beyond him just playing football on there. And he was mic'd up against, I think, the Titans. And, and just the way that he was talking to his receivers saying, look, I'm seeing the way that this guy's covering you. You know, if you, you, you turn your hips on this guy, he's not going to match your speed, hit five yards. You know, like this guy – He's watching the way the defense is specifically playing his receivers, knowing his receiver's strengths, finding how to – I mean, he's he seems like he's got something really, really good as far as a football-minded quarterback that – you know, that that type of um, quarterback that, like, you see out of Tom Brady or you see out of the Peyton Mannings where they're able to really read the defense and, and adjust accordingly. So I, I think it's more than just a guy who throws a good football um, – uh, let's just start with Garoppolo. What do you think? Well, what you just described, that's no surprise. Look at who he was sitting behind for what? Right. Three three or four years. I mean, he learned a lot sitting under Tom. Uh, number two, the kid just plays with, with grit and tenacity. I mean, I'm really excited to see this guy take the next step and play at the next level. I know I think this guy was built to be an NFL quarterback. Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I've been so impressed with him and the 49ers just look like a new team once he got under center. Um Kyle Shanahan, you saw what he did with the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had the best year of his career under a Kyle Shanahan esque offense. So I can only imagine what Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna do. He's got the weapons there. They added Jarek McKinnon. They have a good offensive line. Go get a couple of more wide receivers or two here and there in your defense. Yeah, Richard, of course. Um, and mm-hmm. San Fran has always had a ton of these secondary issues. And this goes back to the hardball days when they were winning mm-hmm. the NFC West and getting the NFC title games. I always thought their front seven was great, but they always had issues in the back end, otherwise known as the secondary end. Yeah, they t- they took a risk on signing Richard Sherman because he is what twenty nine or thirty years old, coming off an Achilles injury. He's a veteran now. Yeah, uh, well, you know, Sherman's a rough one for me because you know he's my arch nemesis. You know, I mean, that's uh, I had people tagging me as soon as it happened, like, dude. <laughs> first thing I thought it was you and like some people that aren't even really watching football. They knew how bad I hated this guy. Um, he was the face of the Seattle Seahawks and you know, the one on the sideline laughing at you when, when that team won, obviously one of the best corners in the league, um, big injury. I, I watched his pref- press conference today and um, well, prior to the press conference, the, um, the signing as far as the, the contract goes is really pro San Francisco. Um, it's pro Richard Sherman. If he plays like the Richard Sherman of old, it's stocked with incentives. Uh, the guaranteed money is very little. 
and it's just like, you know, he makes the pro ball, he gets another five mil, you know, he makes this, he plays this many snaps, you know, he gets another couple mil. Like, I mean, if that guy's on the field and being the Richard Sherman of old, he's going to get paid big and he'll deserve it if that's the case. But they're not putting their life on the line with this guy and saying like, Oh, you know, if that injury doesn't hold up, we put out a ton of money. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. really paying out minimal in, in the, uh, in the event of a failure. So it's putting the weight on Richard Sherman to show up and perform. And his press conference today, um, he, I, he's talking about not only will he be ready for the regular season, he said he's, he's ready to go like mid summer. He's like, you know, don't put my recovery up against other people. I, I, you know, I'm built differently than other people. And, um, you know, the type of work I'm putting in is, you know, by the end of the summer, he's going to be ready to play football. So uh, I got a lot of confidence in that guy because he's not a guy that likes to take losses. He, he's not a guy who's going to like to get burnt half the year. Um, so I, I don't know. What's your overall thoughts on that signing? I mean, look, people can say what they want about Richard Sherman. He's still one of the best to play the position right now in our league. Since coming into the league in 2011, he's intercepted 32 passes. That's the most amongst any other cornerback in the NFL. And, I mean, the guy does it all. First off, I don't think people realize how smart this guy is as a football player. He's very cerebral. He makes all the reads. He's a former wide receiver. So he knows what these receivers want to do. And it doesn't matter who's lined up against him, you know, he can play in man coverage. He can play in zone coverage. But a lot, one person that I know pointed this out, we're going to see who he really is now because he's had the luxury of playing with the two best safeties in the NFL, and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then obviously um, – you know, we wound up with an issue at a linebacker. You know, we seemingly had the future of our linebacking core in, in Ruben Foster. And, uh, you know, he, he's a knucklehead. So, um, we're, we're back to the drawing board. Um, you think, uh, you know, I talked to you off air about this. And uh, you seem to think our ninth draft pick, our, our number nine draft pick goes to the linebacker. Yep. Yeah, I still do. You know, you could go. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, or you could go Roquan Smith, uh, a linebacker from the University of Georgia, and I think his draft stock rose toward the end of the season last year playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, the guy has a tremendous motor. He's a football player. He's gritty. He's tough. He's physical. He's mean. You know, he brings a lot to the table. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, with Richard Sherman doing his uh, conference, they asked him about Eric Reed, and Eric Reed, you know, was one of the dudes that took the knee and all this. Um, I personally seem to think that it's getting a little bit more stock than it's worth as far as him not being signed. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts on this is. You know, um, even Sherman was saying, like, you know, legal action could be taken if, if he's not signed to a team with his caliber of play. But this is a guy who was taken from the safety position and put a linebacker last year. You know, because mm-hmm. the coaching staff thought it would be the most valuable place for him. They were trying to find a better fit for him on the field. And um, he does have a large skill set, but he's also pretty injury prone. So I don't know if the money that he's he's putting out there that he's looking for is something that, you know, is going to limit him as far as who's going to put out the risk on his injury, you know, on, on his possibility of injury. 
or or exactly you know what's behind that um i think more so than the stance as far as taking a knee i think the bigger spectacle you make out of yourself being a guy who says all right you're not going to do this because i'm doing this they go like whoa well, you know we didn't even bring that up what's your issue you know like i think that stands a little bit further out in front of the actual you know um stance or issue or anything like that is how much attention you know you're bringing to yourself about the fact that you want to make a stand like that's fine if you do that's the, i don't think that's even half the issue because there's a lot of people taking knees i mean they're you, know, you had people up the sideline kneeling together you know but, guys are getting signed yeah i mean you know i don't think that should really be an issue you know what these guys do and you know how they express their constitutional rights shouldn't have any tie-ins on what they do on the football field i'm just being honest here you know, and I just think it's getting old, you know. I mean, yeah, we're it's a crazy world right now, and it has been ever since Donald Trump took sure. office, you know. But, you know, the way I look at it, he's, he's able to do that. You know, it's his constitutional right, and he shouldn't be blacklisted for doing what he feels is right. And he's doing it in a peaceful way, J-Cat. That's the thing. Right. I think that really disturbs me, this. And I know he's a big part of your team, and I know you've raved about him. Every time you and I have talked off the microphone, you know, you've always raved about this guy. Right. I'm just saying, do you think that that's it? Do you think that's the reason why he's not being signed beyond, you know, having his injury issues? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sorry for saying that, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. You know, it's sad that it's coming down to this. You know, you're looking at, a, you know, you're looking at a guy. I'll even take it back to Kyle Kaepernick. Do I think Cap should be signed? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Especially when Deshaun Watson went down for Houston, because you know, any team that Kaepernick went to, you're getting a guy that played in a Super Bowl. You're getting a guy who's known to lead his team to the playoffs and make throws. And you know, yeah, trust me, it has nothing to do with him being a bad football player. Colin Kaepernick is good. You know, his last year in the league, he threw 16 touchdown passes. How was that bad? And he only threw four interceptions. How's that bad? I mean – I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Cap, I think, is is a different story. I mean, I I just – Yeah. Yeah, I saw his play over the years. I saw, you know, when he – when he was at the top of his game, when he was in the Super Bowl, he really cared about was right. his bicep. Um, you know, when this <laughs> this guy, when this guy was on the down and out, he was already benched for play. Suddenly, then he decided to take a political stance. And and to me, you know, regardless of his intentions, may be good in the end. I just don't feel like he was that genuine. Um, I feel like he he wanted to make some noise on his way out because I mean he he showed up to to camp, his muscle mass was gone. Like, the dude, like, he used to be jacked enough to be kissing his biceps. He showed up without biceps in in camp. Right. I mean, you know, the previous season had been benched, you know, for Gabbert. And, um, you know, obviously not a good point in his career. And and it's just – it was really weird timing for him to suddenly take a stance when he took a stance. And um, I just just took it as phony, you know. And, you know, you might become genuine in in your intentions, you know, once you commit to that but I just felt like the timing was really strange and it didn't, it didn't set him in the right position to to go get himself a new job. 
you know, again, it, you know, take the, all the stances you want. I don't have a problem with any of that. Uh, I'm not one of these, these guys that I'm, I'm not offended by anything that, you know, the kneeling or anything like that, but I just think right. you know, timing is a big thing, you know, and, um, right. you know, if he, if he was taking a knee in the Super Bowl. I, I, you know, I, I don't think people would have had nearly the issue with it because he was at least at the top of his game. Uh, they, it right. would have caused controversy, no question about it. But I think um, his chances of getting a job following that day or that year would have been a way different story than, you know, when he was on the downswing and decided. So I, I don't agree. Know, that, that, that's just me because, you know, I'm a Niner fan. So I, yeah, I have a Kaepernick right. jersey. My daughter has a Kaepernick jersey. You know, we're, right. we're fans throughout. And uh, definitely. I, I don't know. Yeah. I definitely understand that, bro. Yeah. So yeah, man, um I I got to thank you for coming on. Um you know, like Absolutely. I said, well man, we'll talk again, you know, before the season starts. Um yeah, obviously this draft's going to bring up a bunch of different stuff, you know, probably some trades and some surprises that go down in there. What do you think's going to be the biggest surprise in the draft? Um wow. You know, I've seen the name Marcus Davenport move up in a lot of drafts, uh, in a lot of drafts, mock drafts. You know, he had a great combine. Uh, I think he, I think he could be the next best defensive player in the National Football League. The um, the guy with one hand. Um, again, I'm not a college Shaquem guy. Griffin. Uh, yeah, where do you think he winds up? You know, I think he's going to be a second rounder. Look. Look, the kid's a football player. He's confident in himself. You know, he's able to do everything, you know, a football player with two hands were able to do. And he does yeah. it with one hand. And, I mean, the guy plays with grit. He plays with heart, a lot of courage. And, you know, he doesn't give up. He inspired me. I mean, he definitely was the talk of the of the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, I that, mean that dude's got – yeah, he's got some serious heart, man. He's he's got strength. His physical ability is definitely top notch, and I'm definitely interested to see what he he's gonna do. Obviously, the spotlight's gonna be on him going into his rookie season, and you know, I mean, and whatever team he goes to, I'm rooting for this kid. You know, this kid got the invite last year, got the invite to the combine this year. He was a, a pretty intricate piece to what uh, Central Florida did last year and going undefeated. So yeah, you know, I'm really pulling for this kid. Yeah. Do you know does he play with a prosthetic? Um I'm unsure, man. Uh I'm unsure. I, I saw him bench with the prosthetic, but then he was doing some of those drills without it, which was crazy because he had to like catch a ball towards the end of the one drill and, you know, with one hand he couldn't he couldn't right. make it happen. So I wonder if that does limit him on the field, or if he plays with a prosthetic that he can pull, you know, pull down catches. Yeah, only only time will tell. Yeah. So again, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, you're welcome anytime. You know. Thanks, man. So, all right, all right man. Check out the Daily Blitz. Um, you know, he's writing up articles all there uh, all the time. You know, shoot him your email. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, the website is thedailyblitz.net. You can follow me on Twitter at dailyblitz underscore 61, and you can like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com backspace, the Daily Blitz. Yeah, man. It's all right, Christian, man. Have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. Have a good rest of the show. Yeah, man. 
So there you go, Christian Simpson, the Daily Blitz. Uh, you know, I wanted to bring him on, go over all this off-season stuff. This dude knows his stuff, man. He, he, uh, he He's writing these articles on a regular basis. If you see a big signing or something, you go over to the Daily Blitz, and you'll see a big, giant article on it, all his thoughts and how he breaks it down. So uh, that's, that's about it. Check out the Hot Tag Podcast. They're doing their thing tomorrow night. I was going to do my thing tomorrow night as usual, uh, and then I had a tattoo appointment. And so I said, all right. I'm going to do Tuesday with Christian. I'm going to do Thursday with G's. All right? Fucking snowstorm's coming tomorrow, so I ain't doing shit tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what goes the fuck on. But uh, Thursday, check out Black G's back on the show. Uh, you know, hit me up on any questions, topics, or whatever. You know, we're going to talk a bunch of hip-hop. We're going to talk some, some wrestling. Uh, probably some OJ, man. I got to talk about fucking OJ. Uh, this motherfucker, man. Um, so, yeah, check check that shit out. So check out the Hot Deck Podcast, and I'll talk to you motherfuckers in two days. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Black cheese tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. Oh, Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Juza Kids Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the back guy. Come on, pay yourself the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.